Hello, everyone. Welcome to the NTI Pod Talk. My name is Diane Kaler, and I'm the director of Nutrition Therapy Institute. This Pod Talk is our opportunity to have fun conversations with interesting people who have interesting things to say about nutrition, food, and health. I talk to NTI instructors, students, and grads, to health industry professionals, to farmers, and anyone else who has an interest in nutritional wellness. While many of our listeners come from within the NTI community as students and grads, we also have prospective students who tune in. And to those listeners in particular, I hope you find that the people we talk to inspire you to finally make the jump to pursue your passion and come to school here at NTI. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello, everyone. This is Diane Kaler, Director of Nutrition Therapy Institute. Welcome back to another edition of the NTI Pod Talk. And today I'm talking to Dr. Janine Malcolm, who is the founder and owner of Niwat Natural Medicine in Niwat, Colorado. For those who aren't local, Niwat, Colorado is just outside of Boulder, Colorado. Um, so welcome, Dr. Janine. I'm so happy that you're here today. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Thank you. Me too. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Sure thing. All right. So, um, you know, let's just start off and talk about your educational background and kind of where you came from and, uh, where you're at right now, your, your title, what you do, all that kind of stuff. Great. Thank you, Diane. So I am a naturopathic doctor and a licensed acupuncturist. Um, I did my undergrad at UC Berkeley in California, majoring in psychology with a pre-med minor. At the time, I was actually planning on going to medical school. I took my MCATs. I really wanted to be a pediatrician. I really wanted to change the world of medicine. And um, I got a little disillusioned at Berkeley with pre-med and the students I was surrounded by in that I really wanted to be a healer. I really, really wanted to help people. And a lot of the people in my program were more around money than healing. So um, while I was still finishing my degree at Berkeley, I became a personal trainer in San Francisco. And uh, my front desk staff actually talked to me about naturopathic medicine. I was like, natural what oh? Like, what is this? <laughs> so I, I researched it and absolutely fell in love. So naturopathic medicine to me is the way doctors used to practice medicine before drugs were invented mm-hmm. with this inherent idea that we all have an inherent ability to heal, that prevention is the best cure, that symptoms are the body's way of saying something's off and that the most important thing is figuring out the cause. So I researched a bunch of the schools at the time. We only had five schools in the country. Now we have a lot more and decided on going to Bastyr University, which was, which is in Seattle, um, Washington. So I started school with, um, my, goal of getting a doctorate in naturopathic medicine. While I was in school, I was a little stressed out and got a little sick and Chinese medicine, my Chinese doctor helped me a ton. So really opened up my eyes to Chinese medicine. So I decided to double major. So I majored with the doctorate in naturopathic medicine and a master's in Chinese medicine and acupuncture. And nice. so I was there for about, about four years. And then I finished my acupuncture degree in China. So I decided if I was going to practice Chinese medicine, I should probably go to China. Sure. So I went over and practiced in China for a couple of months. And then I moved to Boulder and I've been here in practice now for 23 years. Nice. That is a fabulous history. And I so much appreciate how you kind of talked about, you know, you were um, planning on going to medical school, doing all the pre-med stuff and realizing that 
at least for that time and the people that you were surrounded by in that pre-med program, um, it, it wasn't so much about uh, healing and, and actually, you know, um, preventing illness, but it was more about money and potentially, you know, using pharmaceuticals and those kinds of things. So um, that that is why I wanted to have you on here because uh, we so much appreciate hearing from uh, medical practitioners who do recognize the the power of the human body to heal and recover itself as long as we give it everything it needs. And I also loved how you said that symptoms are your body's signaling that something is going wrong. A symptom is not necessarily, um, you know, saying that something is bad and you need to take this drug to do it. It's a sign that something's going wrong. And if you listen to those messages, you can, uh, you know, with guidance from someone like yourself, you can really find ways to um, optimize what's going into the body and the environment of the body uh, to help those um, signs and symptoms, you know, potentially go away. So, um, so thank you so much. I'm, I'm so excited to hear about that. So, um, you know, you, you kind of mentioned it in your background, but is there anything else that you want to talk about, um, about why in particular you wanted to pursue this holistic route? Um, yes. Like where, where did that come from? Why did you have, why right. do you have that interest? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it for me was a personal interest. I was actually quite sick as a child. Um, I had ear infections as a child, as a baby. My mother was told that formula was more important than breast milk. And I obviously had an allergy to the formula in retrospect, which nobody diagnosed. So I grew up having ear infections, strep, bronchitis, and I was an athlete. So I was constantly exercising or doing events while sick. Doctors never talked to me about diet. They always gave me more medication, more antibiotics. And I basically self-diagnosed myself with some sort of food sensitivity, which I figured out with time. I got into herbal medicine and nutrition at about 15. And I had to do a lot of research myself this is before the internet, like going to the health food stores and picking up books. And eventually it took me a few years, but I eventually figured out I had the sensitivity to cow dairy and changing that part of my diet completely changed my life. I mean, I had some, some issues, some depression, and again, strep sicknesses. I never got, I had some asthma, didn't have eczema, had digestive issues. But the biggest thing for me is changing my diet. I felt alive. I mean, I was smart before when I took dairy out of my diet. I was like, I'm a genius. Like my memory <laughs> was better. My mood was better. My athletics were better, my performance. So really looking at the connection between dairy food and really what I was eating and how it was affecting me. And that, mm -hmm. that it really felt like this was the way to cure for me and that there's more beyond this. So I got really into studying nutrition at a very young age. And then it just kept going from there. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, something that I'm picking up on here and, and, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I'm, what I'm, my sense is, is that because of your interest before you went to college, you know, like when you were in high school at age 15, I assume you were in high school at age 15, <laughs> unless you're one of those geniuses who no. went to medical school <laughs> at age 11. So, um, you know, in, in high school, before you went to medical school, you got interested in all of this, uh, you know, all of these sort of um, holistic sort of quote unquote natural um, uh, pathways and natural remedies. Um, and 
Am I correct that you went to medical school or with the intention of going to medical school, believing that that is the kind of stuff that you would learn at conventional medical school? Exactly. I mean, at the time, this was in the 90s. I looked at acupuncture school, but at the time it wasn't enough, like it wasn't being a medical doctor. And I really thought, okay, if I go to medical school, they're going to teach me how to heal people, how to quote unquote cure people, not just treat people the way I, my experience as a child was I was constantly treated with antibiotics and steroids nobody ever really helped me mm-hmm. and yes the disillusionment came the the light came and to me naturopathic medicine was was the aha the this is amazing I didn't even know this existed you know in retrospect if we look back in the 1900s there were a lot of naturopathic doctors in the early 1900s they would have conferences with 20,000 doctors and then you know long story history of how it all got taken away but yes mm-hmm. exactly I found a medicine that could help me actually cure people heal people and you know we're going to get into this more but the other thing I love about naturopathic medicine it deals with the mind and the body I was a psychology major I knew that the psyche was very important with the with the body originally I was going to be a psychiatrist I want to be a kid psychiatrist a child psychiatrist however I knew that what kids were eating was also more important than just meds and counseling. So it was like, how do I combine this together? Then I wanted to be a pediatrician. And then I decided I need to just not just heal kids. I just want to heal the whole world. So that's why I became more of a general practice doctor. But to me, like I had never heard of naturopathic medicine. I was not exposed to that. I grew up in the Bay Area, which is a very alternative place, but I was never exposed to it. So um, yeah, I felt like I found the golden path per se. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I definitely want to talk about that mind body consciousness um, aspect. But before we talk about that, I want to um, go back to something you mentioned, uh, preventative, um, you know, approaches and preventative medicine. So what does that mean? T- talk to our audience about what does that actually mean preventative medicine? And how is it different than what we, you know, see now in, in, in quote unquote, medicine and conventional medicine. Yes. I mean, I like to tell people that my patients I've been doing in practice for 20 over 23 years. I like to tell people that people come to me with whatever they have, but my patients don't get cancer. They don't get autoimmune disease. They don't get Alzheimer's because a lot of what the way I was trained as a physician is that you figure out what's going on in the moment, but everything's connected. So therefore, once you get the body balanced, the most important thing is then preventing further disease versus treating it. Like, for example, I like to say I'm more of an architect. I like to help with the foundation of people's health and then build a strong structure versus to me, if we look at Western or allopathic medicine, allopathic medicine, Western medicine, phenomenal for acute, for trauma, you break your leg and for heart disease, I mean, heart surgery, what they can do now with the heart, they couldn't do when I was in medical school. So amazing trauma surgery, a lot of the acute stuff, it's phenomenal. But Western medicine is not very good with chronic disease because they use the same paradigm as they do with the ER, which is somebody's bleeding. I need to stop the bleeding as with chronic disease. Somebody's blood sugar is too high. I need to stop the blood sugar versus looking at what's the cause of this. How do we treat it from a fundamental level to get rid of it versus continue just to treat it? Mm -hmm. So that the idea is that if we figure out where the imbalances are, what people's kryptonites are, I like to say we all have sensitivities, not that we're all allergic to everything, but we all have sensitivities. If we figure out what a personal person's kryptonites are, get rid of the things that are really bothering them, it will prevent further disease pathology in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. 
All right. So let's talk about the mind body consciousness. Um, uh, you know, clearly, um, what you think and how you feel affects everything. Um, so can you talk about how, how you view that and how do you implement this education and this knowledge into, um, your work with your patients? Yes. Um, I, I guess I'd say like I was very much into psychology again from a young age. I thought it was fascinating. People used to come to me with their problems. I just have always kind of been that person, even my mom's friends. And I personally saw for me when I had a good attitude, my life was very different. If I was happy and full of life, my life was happy and full of life. And I, at a, again, as a teenager would see friends who were kind of more negative or stuck in this kind of negative pattern. And I just kept seeing negative attracts negative, positive attracts positive. So that's kind of where it started from. I then got more into mind, body medicine and medical school, you know, studying psychology deeper, studying meditation, studying Buddhism, studying a lot of the different spirituality. And there's so much, there's so many more studies now that talk about it, but this idea of if you have a clear mind, it's going to help you emotionally, physically, you know, the spiritual connection to everything, the mind, body consciousness, it just, it's smooth with everything. I like to say that we're layers, right? We have our physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. So to heal, we have to heal from the inside. So it, you know, in my experience, a lot of people have had trauma. A lot of people haven't had this golden life that we so or said that we have and dealing with the trauma, dealing with their, um, their inability to love. I have to say, it's interesting. I taught at Naropa for 18 years and I had a student about 10 years ago say, I, she, raise your hand. You guys have any questions about anything? She said, Janine, what's the answer? <laughs> I took a big breath. And what I said, I wouldn't, if you had told me 15 years before I would have said that, I would have said, so I said, the answer is love. You have to love yourself. You have to, if you love yourself, you'll bring love to you. But it's this idea that we're all, that you're okay. Like, are you perfect? No, we're not perfect. But accepting the good and the bad then goes out and affects our body in different ways. I mean, there's lots of, you know, there's a movie called What the Bleep that came out years mm -hmm. ago and talked about this whole idea of what we think is what our cells feel. So one of the main things, and it's kind of simple, but one of the biggest things I do with patients is I really try to get them to love themselves. So I have an exercise where they have to look at themselves in the mirror in the morning and tell them they love it. They love themselves. I love you, Janine. You know, I, I love you, Jane, because your body feels that. And if you don't love yourself, how is your body ever going to be okay physically, but also in life. Like, how do you expect other people to love you if you don't love yourself? So that's an energy thing. And it, you know, mm -hmm. there's so much, there's a lot of research. There's so there's a lot more around it now, but there's a big connection. I mean, we could go deeper into the nervous system, right? You have your sympathetic, your parasympathetic. If you are stressed all the time and in your head, you're running a, a constant stream about how you're not good enough. Your body feels that and it reacts to that and how important it is. And I do think, after the pandemic, after a lot of things have happened in the last couple of years, that this mind body medicine is becoming bigger and people are really realizing how important it is to be happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. And you know, the, the rates of mental illness in the last couple of years have just skyrocketed and, um, and that, that's going to become even more important, I think. Um, all right. So you also kind of um, work from a physical body aspect um, and, you know, which is an extension of 
uh, a mindfulness, mind body consciousness. Um, and that is uh, yoga exercise. I know you said that you, your, your history, um, uh, educational history includes um, exercise and, and kind of sports physiology stuff. So how, how do you um, utilize yoga and exercise? Uh, how do you get your clients to, you know, um, be open to uh, starting new practices and, and, you know, maybe not even yoga, but other kinds of movement practices? I mean, I think it's just included in the whole wellness principle and, and protocol. Yeah. So when I see a patient for the first time, I spend three to four hours with them going through everything. And part of what we do is we cover a lot with nutrition, but we cover a lot with mind body and then a lot with like, again, movement. So I don't know if you've heard this expression, but a few years ago, it came out that sitting is the new smoking, <laughs> yeah. that people are sitting so much. It's causing irreparable damage to their bodies. Like mean, we can't fix it, which I don't believe we can't fix anything. I believe our bodies mm -hmm. have an inherent ability to heal, but we aren't moving enough. You know, there's, I see patients that move less than 300 yards a day, especially with people working from home. So in terms of exercise, mm -hmm. I think it's a combination. I still believe nutrition is the key. I think mm -hmm. nutrition is 80% of all health health. And beyond that, you know, to me, yoga is different than exercise, but moving their bodies. And people always say, what's the best exercise? I say the best exercise is whatever you'll do. Right. I think we've gotten away from that in our culture. Like when we mm -hmm. were kids, we were outdoors playing all the time because we didn't have the internet. We didn't have a cell phone. You had to run to your friend's house if you needed mm -hmm. to see them. Mm -hmm. So in terms of incorporating with my patients, I try to just get in general people to move more. In terms of yoga, for me personally, yoga has been a huge healing practice for me mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I, I love, you know, and yoga is not for everyone. Like I have some patients that love pickleball. I have so, you know, it's like, again, whatever people like, but mm -hmm. to me, the mindfulness around yoga, the breathing practice is, and the sympathetic release is a parasympathetic release is a very, very big part of it. But again, to me, people always say, what's the best exercise? And I say, whatever you'll do, mm -hmm. like if walking works for you swimming. So it's kind of going back to what do you enjoy? But the other big part of that also is people having enough time for self-care. I think a lot of what we experience nowadays is everybody's too busy. You know, in the eighties, one parent worked, the other one was home and there was enough money for two cars and vacations and everything. And now it's just, life has changed a lot. So it's being able to incorporate all the wellness things we need to in a kind, compassionate way. So I'm like, if all you can do is walk 10 minutes a day, great walk, you know, a 15 minute yoga practice is great. So I think people put a lot of pressure on themselves to do so much, but anything is great and helps mm -hmm. your body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What I find is, as you say, people are already, you know, overworked, their schedules are overbooked. And then you ask them to do one more thing on top of that. It tends to get a little challenging. Um, so, uh, you know, figuring out ways to fit in, uh, build in movement to a normal day, like, you know, um, I don't know, parking, like for me, what I always do, uh, what I always talk to people about is, you know, if you, if you park in your parking lot at your office, instead of walking from your car directly into the front of the building, walk around the building into the front of the building so that you can it. add extra ways, you know, to build in movement to something you would normally be doing anyways. I mean, there's all kinds of those things, you know, park at the back of the parking lot. That's a, a typical one, but 
um, it, it, it does get challenging, I think, for people to think about how am I going to add one more thing into my life when I'm already overstressed? Right. And I think this is part of the challenge. I always ask people like, to, and I don't know if you know the answer to this is, do you know how many hours we used to work a week when we were hunter gatherers? Yeah. I, I, I don't know, but I, I think, I think it's like less than one. <laughs> it, it was like 17. We used to work oh, 17 oh, you hours mean a week. Ph- physically. Physically. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. we would yeah. work 17 hours a week. So we had time to worship. So we had time to cook. So we had mm-hmm. time to take care of our kids and be mm-hmm. with our partners and dance. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, th- we, we, we do too much. So with exercise, I have people plan it just like they would a doctor's appointment. I was like, okay, we're going to pick two hours a week and you're going to put those two hours in and let's just start there. But so much of it, again, is is doing what works for you. I don't know if you heard, there's a new study that came out that talked about people fidgeting and like moving, just moving like at their desk and all yeah. the time. And it showed that when people fidget all day long, they burn like an extra thousand calories. Yep. Uh, is- yeah, I have seen that. Yeah. So I'm like, fidget more, you know, like move your arms, get up. I try to get yeah. a lot of patients nowadays to get standing desks, yeah. like just set a timer, just 10 minutes makes a huge difference. There's a saying in Chinese medicine that you must take a hundred steps after every meal. Great. Yes. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Yes. Um, all right. So you have talked about, you've mentioned nutrition a couple of times. Um, talk about, you know, the use of nutrition in your practice. And then also I'm interested, are there any, uh, you know, Nutrition guidance is unique to each person, depending on their needs, da, 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 But are there any commonalities in the guidance that you give to your patients about nutrition? Yes, I appreciate that. So the first thing I'm going to say on that is yes, individuality, I think is something is another big part of what's missing between Western medicine and what's different with naturopathic medicine. So the way I practice medicine, everybody's different. So if I see 20 people with anxiety, they're going to all get a different treatment because they're all different people. Mm-hmm. So Back to nutrition. So all the ancient medicines, Ayurvedic medicine, Chinese medicine, Tibetan medicine, all three say the root cause of disease is digestion. Mm-hmm. And these medicines have been around for four or 5,000 years, a lot more mm-hmm. longer than our couple hundred years of Western medicine. So with nutrition, I'm working on digestion. How do we heal the digestive system? But then also how do we give your body what it needs? You know, across the board, I'd say the biggest thing that I've been practicing around nutrition my entire career, which has gotten even more strict is blood sugar regulation and really watching carbohydrate intake. Mm-hmm. Again, if we go back to hunter gatherers, I'm a little bit into anthropology because history tells us a lot. Yeah. When we were hunter gatherers, the most amount of carbohydrates we would eat on a daily basis is six grams, like equivalent to an apple. So I probably the biggest thing I work through with people is really getting their blood sugar stabilized, getting off a lot of processed food, trying to eat food as nature provides it. And then again, within their scope of what works for them, I look at blood type. I look at body type. I look at gender. I look at ethnicity. I mean, there's lots of different individual things that will make a person will determine what the person needs to eat or not eat in history also. But again, it's an individual thing. And I look at nutrition and diet. I'm going to, I always tell my patients, I'm going to tell you what I think you need to do. And this is your path. This is your life. If I'm telling you to do something you don't want to do, we'll work with it. But part of the big thing is educating. 
So if you look at the root word of doctor, it comes from the word dossier. It means to teach. And back in the day, like if I was practicing medicine 400 years ago, I'd come to your house. We'd go in the garden. We'd cook together. It was very different. So I really try to explain to people why I want them to give up sugar, why I want them to maybe not eat dairy or not eat gluten or soy or canola oil. And I really find people are very smart. If you explain to them what they need to do, they're way more likely to comply. Mm-hmm. And then within that, I give them a plan. I was like, I want you to feel as good as you can. So a lot of the, my treatment plans around nutrition have to do with getting rid of foods that are kryptonite. So what's the person not doing well with then, you know, more whole foods, regulating blood sugar. Like how do we get your blood sugar balanced? How can we get you feeling as good as you've ever felt? And mm-hmm. that's kind of my goal. And I, I, it changes people's lives. I had a patient a couple of weeks ago who came in with colitis of 15 years. Her medical doctor told her that what she ate had nothing to do with her colitis. Oh my gosh. Okay. So we changed her diet, put <laughs> yeah. her on a paleo diet, pretty simple, just a nice paleo diet, cut out a lot of the grains and the things that are bothering you. Her colitis is after one week, her colitis was better than it had been in 20 years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, 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 it's so important that this expression is you are what you eat, drink, breathe, and think. That's what mm-hmm. I like to say. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, all right. So I know you mentioned that, uh, the patients who come to see you, um, you know, don't get some of the common, uh, progressive chronic illnesses that we see in, um, you know, in today's modern sort of society. Um, but I would imagine that they come to you with chronic illnesses. So what, what's your sense of the impact of chronic illness? Um, and kind of how do you think about chronic illness? And, and maybe you've already said it, but I'm just, I'm, I'm sure that you have other things to say about it. Like, what do you think about chronic illness? And um, and kind of why, why do we have chronic illness in our modern society? That's maybe we should talk about what is chronic illness? Well, there we go. I mean, chronic illness, I think in general, is a diagnosed disease of somebody putting you into a box. Now, although I said my patients don't get cancer and autoimmune disease, I definitely have patients coming to me with cancer and autoimmune disease. Right. Yeah. And I've seen more disease in the last few years than I probably, in the last four years, I've probably seen more pathology than I have in the previous 20. So if we define what is chronic disease, we're just not talking about something acute, like, you know, an illness, you know, sinus infection, chronic disease can range from cancer to autoimmune to polycystic ovarian syndrome to infertility. Mm -hmm. So in my opinion, people are getting sicker and sicker because our food supply is getting sicker and sicker and because stress is getting sicker and sicker and our world's getting more toxic. I mean, Mm -hmm. right now, if you don't live in Colorado, we are covered in smoke. Like it's, there's a lot of things happening. Mm -hmm. So in general, again, I'm obsessed with nutrition. I love your yeah. school, by the way. I didn't plug you yet, but yes, you have an amazing school, Diane. Thank so you. I, I think a lot of chronic illness has to do with stress, has to do with social media, and has to do with our food supply. Mm-hmm. And for me, it, I, it's challenging for me because in our country right now, I, th- I haven't looked recently, but last time I looked, the US was, I think, rated like 167th in the world for food quality. 
<laughs> and that's not really where we are in terms of we're supposed to be this big superpower. Yeah. For me, I always tell people I have a really hard time. We have an FDA. The Food and Drug Administration is under the same building. So the sicker they make us with food, the more drugs they have to use. And it's a moneymaker. Our food supply has gotten horrible and it's getting mm-hmm. worse and worse. Mm-hmm. And without going into GMOs and glyphosate and fertilizers and and there's so many levels. I mean, you could argue anything. And I really believe a lot of our chronic illness nowadays is because of our toxic food supply and the toxic culture that has been created. Mm -hmm. I completely agree with you 100%. Um, You mentioned social media. what, What do you think is the connection between social media and chronic disease? I think that life has gotten too fast. I think people are stuck, as we talked about, in sympathetic overdrive and fight or flight. And I think there's it, these kids nowadays are getting too much information, so much comparison. And, you know, social media, if we look at TikTok, if we look at, um, uh, I'm not on uh, Facebook, but the Facebook, Instagram, I mean, there's filters. Everybody's comparing themselves to everybody else. And it's also the bigger thing I'd have to say is preventing community is preventing interaction. We need community. We used to live in tribes. We need to see each other, feel each other, you know, hold hands, dance together. And we're missing a lot of that. You talked about mental illness. And I think a lot of the reason we have way more mental illness now is people don't have community. They did a study. I saw the stats that I think it's 60% of people from 20 to 30 years old do not have a best friend anymore. You know, there's all this stuff out there that just talks, we, we are missing connection. Mm-hmm. We are missing that love, the, the reflection back. And it, you know, it's sad and this is where we are and we do the best we can. On top of that with social media, we have constant advertisements for do this, do this, here's the quick fix. You know, there's so many different things out on diet, nutrition, this new, the new drug you can inject Ozempic and inject yourself with and get skinny. And that's a whole nother thing. So there's, there's a lot out there. And I think it's, Mm -hmm. I think it's hard to be a teenager and a kid nowadays. And -hmm. I think that influences the rest of everybody else too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So I 100% agree with everything you say there as well. Um, And as our regular listeners will know, I don't partake in any social media. So I, I don't know what's out there. I hear stories and, you know, and I hear, I hear what you're saying and all that kind of stuff. And I certainly see the impact um, that it has on people who are on social media, but I, I have never looked at Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. I don't have any accounts. I've never looked at them. I don't even know what they look like. I would never, I wouldn't know how to use them. So, um, uh, but, but I, I recognize that I am like, you know, definitely a unicorn in, the, in that because uh, I, I don't know a single other person who, who uh, doesn't use social media like me. So, um, but anyways, um, that's, that's kind of beside the point, but I completely agree with you. I think that social media has a big role in a lot of the ills um, uh, that, that we experience. So anyway, um, well, um, you know, I, I want to be respectful of your time. Is there anything that you want to add that we didn't talk about before we kind of, um, you know, wrap it up and get your contact information, anything that, 
you you definitely want to include in this discussion yeah i think asked. the other thing first of all i gotta acknowledge and i i'm proud of you with social media there's very few people that are on it and it is what it is i have a teenager so i try to say a little but yes i think the other thing just going a little further if we look at advertising social media if we look at nutrition it's interesting so i have a question for you when you were a kid how often would you and your family go out to eat we actually didn't go out that often um like maybe once a month, uh, right. if, if that much, um, right. we didn't and go that's how, that often. That's how it was for me too, because when we grew mm -hmm. up, like if you think about this, we'd go out for special occasions, maybe a birthday, but it's almost like our parents knew they could cook better. I think it had to do with affordability also, mm -hmm. but that you can cook better at your house and make better food that's nourishing and not full of salt and not full, I don't care about salt, but not full of sugar and bad oils. And this is something I talk to people about on a regular basis. Most people, especially if you look at the younger generation, they eat multiple meals out a week. Mm -hmm. So I always, I had a theory. A day, a, a day. day. That's really true. <laughs> You know, so part of my part of my new nutrition theory and guidance is it's really hard to get healthy if you can't cook for yourself. Mm -hmm. Plus, I also think part of it is self-nourishing, taking the time and energy to cook for yourself and go grocery shopping. Is it easy? No, mm -hmm. none of this is easy. I mm -hmm. always tell people it was easy. We'd all look like Barbie dolls and be levitating, meditating through the street. Right. So I think that's another big part of it is like if we look at health, self-care, nutrition is making food, nourishing yourself, nourishing your family, finding the time and energy to do that or a way to make that work. Mm -hmm. I think that's just another important part of it. And I think the other big part too, is again, just loving yourself and being happy with where you are and accepting. Like, I, I guess part of me wishes when we were kids, nobody told us that there's this beautiful white picket fence and this pretty relationship and you're going to have these beautiful kids. Mm -hmm. I think in general, life is challenging. I think it's gotten mm -hmm. challenging in different ways. And I do think it's doable. I think that there's things to do to make it better. I think the most important thing is really listening to your body and what your body needs because mm -hmm. your body will always adapt to what what you present with it. So I had a patient the other day and I was, I told her, I said, listen, if you and I decided to eat McDonald's every day, we would be really sick. We'd have very bad gut issues. We'd be really sick for a while. And then our body would adapt. So just cause your body gets is adapts doesn't mean it's okay. And, yes. and, you know, and just that there's lots of things to do, but we're all trying to do the best we can and to really just be forgiving to yourself and accepting of where you're at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so often um, what I have seen with my clients is because their body has adapted, they don't recognize the, um, you know, the signs, the symptoms that, that their body is giving them that, you know, this is not good. This is not good. And once they start making dietary changes, then suddenly, you know, they get to this sort of threshold or, or this baseline where um, they're now at a point where the symptoms are very recognizable. Yes. Um, and, and sometimes they're like, you know, I, I never felt this way before. And now I'm feeling something, whatever it is, you know, brain fog or whatever, whatever. Um, and so they assume that, you know, eating, eating healthier makes them have brain fog. And it's like, no, 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 no. You're just getting to a point where you are now able to recognize those screams for help. Um, yes. and, and it just shows you that there's further things that you need to do. So, 
Exactly. And I think it's, I think practitioners like you and I get to that, but I think other, that a lot of people are raised in a society with medicine where it's like, Hey, this is as good as it gets. Like, this is where you're at. You gotta, you have to accept that you're going to be, have this disease or be unhealthy. And I don't think that's true. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot you could do less than 5% of medical doctors take one class in nutrition. So So like it, you know, nutrition is the, is the, is the key. And you know that I know that. And mm-hmm. the rest of you guys, you know, there's a lot of help out there to help us all. And yeah, educate. absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and you know, I, I am going to plug us because it goes right in line with what you're talking about. So, you know, as a nutrition school, we have two programs, our nutrition therapist master program, which is, you know, our like, um, intensive, comprehensive training and holistic nutrition, but we also have a chef program. So not only do you learn about all the benefits of the foods and and the nutrients that they contain, but, uh, you know, in our chef program, you actually learn how to do that cooking, which as you mentioned, how can you take care of yourself if you don't know how to cook? Like, you know, so, um, we, we have both of those to help, um, those who, choose to opt out of this very, um, you know, the conventional medical system that says what you eat doesn't matter. And whatever illness you have, you're stuck with it. And you have to take this drug um, that then gives you side effects. So you have to take another drug and then another drug and another drug. And, you know, that's how the, the kind of ball rolls. Um, So anyways, no, I appreciate that. And Diane, I don't know if you like just to mention that. So I love your program. I prefer a lot of people. So one of your old students who went to both of your programs, the chef program all, too, is now cooking for one of my patients who just had a baby. So, oh, lovely. I yes. love that. Nice. So it's wonderful. I love it how it all full, full circle. Yes. Thank you. That's, that's yes. awesome. Thanks for letting me know that. All right. Well, how can people find out more about you? Um, where do they get more information about your contact information, all that kind of stuff? So again, like you, I'm not a lot on social media. So the best way to get to look at me is on my website, which is www.niwatnatural.com. If you want to email, it's info at niwatnatural.com. There's a lot out there um, on the website. It says a lot of things, but you can always call the office. I have a great staff. We're very much into answering the phone and talking to people. Um, I went, you could check out naturopathic.org, um, which is the national website for all the licensed naturopaths in the country. It's a great, so naturopathic.org. They have a find the doctor or find a doctor. So if you're looking for a naturopath near you, great people. Um, and then for me, yes, uh, right now I'm not currently teaching at a university. I've taught at Naropa and I've taught at Rocky Mountain School of Herbal Medicine, um, I am running a yoga and wellness retreat in Baja in October. So that's what I've started teaching is I'm doing more wellness retreats versus teaching in the classroom. But beyond that, the best way to, to look at me is to look at my website or to give a call to the office. Great. Um, and a question that I've been asking lately, because it matters now, um, do you only work with patients in person or do you work with patients online? So I have patients all over the world. I prefer to at least see a new patient in person the first time. I just, I'm very energetic. I do do acupuncture and physical medicine. So I like to touch my patients, but I do have patients all over the world. So I do both. Mm -hmm. I prefer, again, most of my patients I've seen at least in person once, and then we do, we do online or we do phone visits. So Mm -hmm. I'm open to anything, but I do like the physical medicine, the acupuncture and the healing that I can do in office. So both I'm not, I will never just be an online doctor. I love the interpersonal interactions and I don't love computers. So yeah. Yeah. Well, and that goes back to what we were talking about before, you know, humans need personal interaction with other humans. So yes, exactly. 
Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today. This has been a really fun conversation. Um, I'm, I'm so happy to hear that we are in such alignment in so many ways and so appreciative of the referrals that you make to our school. Um, and, uh, you know, definitely people hearing this and seeing that seeing this will then be uh, referred to your um, practice as well. So thank you. Well, I appreciate it, Diane. I appreciate you having me. And I appreciate what you guys do. There's very, very few nutrition schools in the country that teach in a holistic way like you guys do. I absolutely love your program. I'm not saying that lightly. I, you. this, you're, you're the only nutrition program I, I recommend people to go to. Yeah. So thank you for what you do and for educating more people to help other people out there. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Well, you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thanks. Bye. Hi there. And thanks for listening today. If what you heard today inspires you to want to pursue an education in holistic nutrition here at Nutrition Therapy Institute, please check us out on our website, ntischool.com, and reach out to us at admissions at ntischool.com. Our in-depth, comprehensive education is sure to provide you with the knowledge and skills you need to create the work of your dreams. Do something that feeds your passion, aligns with your values, and fuels your drive for a vital and meaningful life. It will be rewarding for yourself, your family, and anyone else with whom you interact. And with that, see you on the next episode.